Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Grateful for each and every one of y'all. Grateful to be here. Grateful to worship our, our amazing God. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris, one of the pastors here. Pastor Jason is away, but should be returning um, today. He got to have some, some good quality time with his family and some well-needed time. And so grateful for um, him to take that time and to just continue to, to pour into his family and rest. And um, I'm grateful for y'all. Grateful to be here and grateful to be um, to filling in for Pastor Jason. But, um, you know, we, we look around and we listen and we hear and we see so many things going on uh, in this world. And as I was preparing uh, for this message and, and marinating on the scriptures and just praying towards um, today and, and, and this morning, you know, I got to thinking about how there's so many voices that are out there. There are, there are so many trends and videos, uh, tutorials and, and influencers and influence sees. There's so much um, things like self-help and catchy phrases and quick fixes and hacks and so many different options and opinions and traditions. And also there's so many lies that are out there and counterfeits and frauds, so many different tricks and pranks and scams, disruptions, interruption, corruption. There's so much out there. And our lives, our minds, our hearts can be really overwhelmed hearing and seeing all these voices. Not, over, not just overwhelmed, but even misused or abused. And really just leaving us feeling exhausted. Um, and we get to questioning and wondering, well, who do I listen to? And what is truth? And who can I rely on? And who's right and who's wrong? And so on and so on. And it's my heart. And it's my hope as we look to the word of God today and as we open up the scriptures and we continue in the book of Philippians, my heart, my prayer is that our hearts will be realigned, recalibrated and fixed on what is true, fixed on, on, on the word of God, on his promises, that our minds would be cleared up from the, the jumble and from the chaos of life and really fixed and refocused on what really matters. And that our lives would be refueled for the mission and the calling and the purpose that God has placed in and through our lives. And we're going to jump into to math, or sorry, we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 3. But before I want to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I believe as we see the scriptures and we read the scriptures, we will see where Paul's heart once was and where his heart is in this letter. And so if you found, if you found your place in God's word, if you're able to, I'm asking you to please stand as we read from Philippians chapter 3. A reading from the word of God. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
To write the same things again to you is no trouble to me, and it is safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisees, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have found, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Let us pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word and your truth. Lord, we're thankful that you are not done with us yet. Lord, that you, by the power of your spirit, you reveal and you convict us of sin and things that ought not to be. And you embolden us, you embolden us and you give us the power, Lord, to turn away in repentance and by faith, trusting and following and believing in you. And Lord, as we continue to read your word, as we continue to look and, and, and dive into your word, Lord, would you dive into our hearts, Lord, and reveal, bring, bring those things to the surface that, that are hindering our walk to know you more intimately and personally, to love you more deeply and richly, and to proclaim you to all those that may hear. So Lord, we pray that, Lord, your word, as we know, will not return void. We pray that you would receive all the glory. I pray that I would decrease and you increase. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The first point that I want us to see as we look into the scriptures and begin to just dive a little bit deeper into this text, the first point is that I want you to see is that the joy in sharing Jesus, that, that Paul has this joy and he has called us to have that same joy, to, to, to rejoice in the Lord. And there's a joy that is found in sharing Jesus. I got to, to think about um, this, and I got to think about a, a book that we read to our children, and it is a book about um, how we all care, carry around buckets, and, and the point of the book is that we all carry around buckets, and sometimes we go around and we try to scoop out of other people's buckets, and we try to take from, from them um, to fill our bucket. But, but the moral of the story is that as you try to do that, you actually don't fill your bucket, but your bucket becomes depleted. It actually um, doesn't fill the bucket, but it does the opposite, and it takes away from your bucket. But the way that you fill your bucket is by going around and giving away, going around and filling others, going around and serving and loving 
other people. And as you give away, your bucket is filled. And I believe we can see glimpses of that here. As Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord. He said, it, it, is, it, is, it is no problem for me to do this. It's no problem, no trouble to write these things again, and it is safe for you. It is no problem, it is a safeguard for the church, for the body of Christ to continue to share and proclaim Christ, to give him away, to give his gospel away, to share the gospel in word and in deed. And as we share, as we go, as we proclaim in our selfless and sacrificial it's amazing how the Lord meets our needs. It's amazing how we, we don't become depleted, but yet we are filled and fueled for the mission of Christ, that we get to share and actually experience his gospel more richly, intimately, and personally as we give Christ away. And it is safe for the church that we would stir each other up, that we stir the affections of our hearts as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, at times we think that the gospel is for the lost and the sick and the hurting, right? But it's also for the believers. It's also for us to remember our, our first love, to remember where we have come from, what God has delivered us from and where he is leading us to. And so it is safe for us. It's no problem there shouldn't be a problem for the believer to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified, to proclaim the truth of God and his promises. And it is safe for the church. It is safe for the believers. And we see quickly why it is safe for the believers, where he says in verse two, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. So we would read back in Acts chapter 15 of the Judaizers, of those that, would be follow, that, that were following Paul as he was proclaiming Christ. He was pro proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And it is by faith that you are saved, not by, by, by works, not by the way of law, but by Christ. The circumcision of the heart, not of, of, of the flesh or of the skin. And so he, we, we would see that there would be... A, there was a group of people that were trying to say, hey, Jesus is good. That's a good start. But now we need to add the things of the law and the ways of the law, the, way, the ways of, of, of the Jewish tradition of circumcision. And they were causing things, they were causing turmoil and confusion. And so Paul is, is, is proclaiming that, hey, it is joyful. It is, it is joyous. And I rejoice in the Lord and I rejoice in, in teaching. And it's no trouble for me to proclaim these things to you. And it is safe. Why? Because there is an adversary. Because there are the lies of, of people that have bought into the lies of the flesh, of self-righteous works. And so he says, you must beware of these people. You must beware of their teachings. Romans 5 would tell us that, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death in his son, and much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. So Paul uses this term, this derogatory term towards the Judaizers, towards those that were witnessing against 
Christ alone for salvation. He calls them dogs. This was a derogatory term that the Jews would call the Gentiles. But now we see the roles flipped around and Paul is, is talking to them as dogs. Now, these weren't pets like we have now, right? This was a, a repulsive animal. This was an animal that would go around and, and scrouge around. They, they were no benefit to the people. And, and he categorizes the, the, those Judaizers as, as dogs. Revelation twenty two fifteen says outsiders are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral person and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Romans 14, Paul writes that for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He's teaching against these teachings of the Judaizers, these things of, of ritual or of the law. The kingdom of God is not of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So these Judaizers were, were saying Christ was good, but now they were expanding and they were making a following Christ that, hey, you had to also abide by the law. So an example was, let's say they were saying, hey, you can't eat pizza on Wednesday, right? And so the law may have said that. So then they would say, okay, you can't eat pizza. But now they're saying, well, because you might overlap, you might get something wrong. Now, Tuesdays, you probably shouldn't have the cheese and the pepperoni and the things that you put on a pizza. And just to be safe, now make sure Thursdays don't do that either. And so they would make it very cumbersome, very, very weighty and burdensome that, that they were causing people uh, that were following Christ much trouble and, and, and stirring and, and, and exactly what we're seeing today, right? All, all of these voices and all of these scams and all of this extra but Christ is, or Paul is reminding us that Christ is sufficient, that you don't need to add to or take away, that there is, be, beware of them. And he goes in with his next verse here in verse three. It says, for we are the true circumcision. How do we call out a lie? How do we teach against that is that we teach the truth. How do we know how to spot a lie or the false circumcision or the evildoers or the dogs of this world in our lives? Right, is that we teach what is true. And when you know and you, what you see and when you can experience truth, it's easy to point out a lie. It's easy to see a counterfeit. And Paul says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, this is true worship. It is by faith. It is in the spirit of God. And this term for worship that he's speaking of is not this Sunday morning attendance, but it, it is more of, of a devotion, a wholehearted devotion, Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday, a wholehearted devotion and longing and love where our heart's affection are stirred towards the Lord in all areas of life. That our life is, 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 is like Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's a wholehearted devotion. It's, it's a day in and a day out, whether we're here or whether we're at the grocery store or at the restaurant, that our, our love, our devotion, our worship is to make God known, is to know him more richly and to proclaim him in deed and if, he, if we choose and if we need to, then in word. But our actions would reflect our worship, our, our lives, our sacrifice, right, would show that, hey, there's a Jesus living inside of that person and I can see it. 
And then Paul turns the tables and he goes into a little bit of religious smack talk, which is like awesome, right? So he's like, all right, but if we're going to do this, if we're going to go toe to toe, if you're, if you're going to hear boast and, and proclaim all these things of the flesh, right? We see some religious smack talk here. In verse four, he says, although I myself might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. He says, all right, if we're going to do this, let's, let's, let's look. And I, I will go toe-to-toe to whoever here wants to, to go toe-to-toe to the flesh. Right? And he says in, in verse 5, he says, circumcised by the eighth day. And we're going to see this rap sheet. We're going to see his credentials. We're going to see who Paul is. Right? Circumcised by the eighth day of the nation of Israel, Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. So what is he doing here? He's saying, from the very beginning, right? From, from birth, from the eighth day, right? My parents, my family, my people, what we did, right? We followed the law to the T. From eighth day, I was circumcised. I wasn't a convert to, to this Judaism, right? I, I, I was born and I am through and through. All right, this, this man, a, 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 a um, Jewish, not just any Jewish, uh, of the nation of Israel, not just an Israelite, but the tribe of Benjamin. He's starting to throw down some of his weight, right? That tribe, the tribe that never left, the tribe that, that, gave, um, that gave Israel their first king. King Saul came from Benjamin. That's my people. That's who I am, the Hebrew of Hebrews. I didn't fall away. I didn't, allow, allow dis, I didn't allow this being dispersed for me to, to leave, leave my religion, leave my background, leave my roots, but I continued to stay true, right? And then I, I stayed true not only to my people, but also to the law. So much that I became a, a Pharisee. I became the elite of the elite. I knew the law. I loved the law. I was not only just in love with the law, but I was zealous to continue to, to go and to do and to pour my heart out. For the law, so much that I started persecuting the church, those that were against the law, those that, that, that were contradicting these things, so I thought. And I was righteous in all ways. I was found blameless. You could look at me and you find no fault on the outside. And so he's saying, if we're going to go toe-to-toe, let's do this. You won't find anyone, anyone of more of status and of stature, of power than me. I climbed to the top of my religion. And then some of the greatest words that we see in Scripture, or the greatest, right? But, verse 7, but. And we're going to see that who Paul once was, he is not the same, right? His, his status, right? Paul once was Saul, maybe named after King Saul. But we see that now he is Paul he is no longer bragging in his status. He, he, he doesn't desire. He's, he's trying to make a point here. And the point isn't how great is he. Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me. And we see his heart, right? We, we see just, just the, the emotion, the compassion, the love of Christ. As he is, he is communicating to these people, he's communicating to this church, but whatever were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. I have counted, I've taken note of who I am. He understands of who he was, but they count nothing 
to the value of who Christ is. They hold no weight. They hold no value to Jesus Christ, to the encounter when Christ intersected his life as he is going to persecute the church on that Damascus road. The resurrected Jesus encountered Paul. And Paul, encountering Christ and experiencing Christ, his love, his grace, and his forgiveness, he says all this other stuff, it holds no value to my Jesus. It holds no weight to my Jesus. Jesus. And so we see here the value of Jesus. As we look into verses 7 through 11, we see the value of Jesus. And Paul writes in these short five verses, he, he uses the name of Christ. We, he uses uh, the focus on Christ over nine times, Christ's name, proclaiming Christ as he sees and he is proclaiming the value of knowing Christ. Verse 8, he says, more than that, I count all things. He counts all things. So, so not just what I was, not, not just his status, not just his, his, his religion and his background, and not just his heritage and his people, but he counts all, all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and he counts them as but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. So not only does he say, hey, they're moved into the negative or in the debt column, right? But he counts them as rubbish. And this word rubbish, right, would, would be translated into dung or cow manure or cow patties, right? It, it's waste. It, it is repulsive. The things that are not of Christ, Paul says that, that they are but rubbish. They are repulsive. They are waste and wasteful and hold no value to my Jesus. The gratification and the, and, and the satisfaction that he had, what he once had from his religion, right? From, from, from persecuting the church, from, from being self-righteous or trying to be self-righteous, in comparison to understanding and knowing Christ, there is no satisfaction. It is incomparable, right? It, it is all gone in waste that he may gain Christ. It says in verse 9, it may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Matthew 13, 44 and 40 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like this, a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, don't miss that, from joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon, 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 try it again. All right. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. The kingdom of heaven is like this. We see those words. We see that heart echoing in the life of Paul where he he forsakes and he counts all of it as loss for the sake of the treasure of knowing Christ Jesus, of experiencing Christ Jesus. And that same call is for us. And, and, And I wonder, have we counted the cost? Have we counted the value of knowing Christ? Have we forgot the value of knowing Christ? Have we forgot the value of being in Christ and living for Christ? Have we forgot the value of our Jesus? And have the things of this world captured our hearts and drawn us close and drawn us in, stealing and robbing our joy and our focus, our hearts, our affections? And it's my heart, it's my hope that you will count you will count Christ as most treasured and valued in your life. That relationship, first and foremost, above anything else, that's how we can have joy in the midst of chaos and storms and uncertainties because we know our God doesn't change. He's unchanging, right? He is our only constant in life and we can cling to the hope that we have in Christ. And as we do, Right, we see this beautiful picture of, of one, as we do, we see we are justified. Verse nine, and that we may be found in him, not having a righteousness of our, derived of our own or, or from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, right? It, we, are, we are justified by faith when our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. When we, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we surrender our life to Christ, proclaiming, right, surrendering to him as Lord and King, we are justified just if we never sinned. But not only that, we see this beautiful picture of being sanctified in verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And so it's, it's, it's that we are justified as we respond by faith, trusting in Jesus, but also there's a process of being sanctified of as we work this out, right? As we continue to, to obey Christ and love Christ and know Christ and make Christ known, we are, are being set apart. We are being set holy, right? We, we are being made holy and being more like Christ as we do so right, in the sufferings, in the trials, in the things that are thrown our way as we hold tight and we hold fast to Christ and Christ crucified, but not only Christ crucified, but also in his resurrection and that we have a hope in the resurrection, that one day we will be resurrected. One day we will be able to experience God in all of his glory when he calls us home. Charles Spurgeon talking about these scriptures and these, these verses, uh, specifically in, in verse 8, as counting all things lost in the surpassing knowledge of Christ Jesus. Spurgeon writes, the very high value 
that the Apostle Paul set on the Savior is most palatable when he speaks of gaining him. This shows that the Savior held the same place in Paul's esteem as the crown did to the esteem of the runner of the Olympic Games. To gain that crown, the competitor strained every nerve and sinew, feeling as though he were content to drop down dead at the goal in order to win it. Paul felt that if he were to run with all his might, straining soul and body to gain Christ, it would be well worth the effort. Christ would be well worth dying to gain. Can we say that, church? Have we seen such a value in our Jesus that he would be worth our lives being poured out as a living sacrifice, straining, right, heart, mind, body, and soul to serve and to love, to worship, to, to know him and to make him known in our lives? with our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever Christ has, has placed us, have we seen that kind of value in loving him and running the race set before us to make Christ known? You know, a lot of times we feel like, oh, coming to Christ or, or, or Jesus is asking us to die. We're going to lose all of this but we see that there's so much to gain. Yes, there is death. There is death to self in our flesh and fleshly desires. Yes, there, there is a submission in us that we surrender to him and we die to our selfish ways, but there's so much more in the value of knowing Christ. There's so much more that he offers and that he gives to us as his children, that, that, that we are adopted into his family, right? That, that we, we, when we receive the right, we're not... Okay, <clears throat> as we receive the righteousness of Christ, right, as he, as he accredits that to our account, as he gives that, it satisfies the wrath of God. But not only that, it draws us near to the throne room of God the Father, into his presence, where we can call him Abba, Father, Daddy, where we are near to him, and he calls us his children, his beloved there is so much that God offers to us. There is so much to, to, the, to the present, to the gift of our salvation in Christ Jesus. There is so much to our God and so much that he has for us. Ironside said that ever since I saw Christ and the glory of God, I have considered nothing else worth living for. He has so won my heart that nothing now counts with me but the blessedness of knowing him and of being completely identified with him in life and death and beyond death. Now, even if I could, I would not want to stand before God in my own righteousness. I desire only to be found in him. I long only to know him more intimately. Let the suffering involved be what it may. I would even die as he died or die another way that he might choose in order to be included in the great rapture of the saints at his coming. I want to follow whatever way will lead me to the glorious resurrection from the dead. Man, what powerful words. What a heart 
just encaptured, enslaved to Jesus Christ, just bound to him, just hungry and longing for Christ and more of Christ each and every day. And so what, how and do we respond to something maybe so challenging, uh, so inviting, but yet so hard, so, so desirable? In Luke chapter 13, Jesus gives us this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree, which he had planted in the vineyard. And he came and looked for the fruit, and he did not find any. And he said to the, the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come to look for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and he said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and I put fertilizer, put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if it does not, cut it down. Do we bear the fruit from a believer, from a disciple who is, who is abiding in Christ, who is connected to the vine? Do we bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Or do we bear the resemblance of, of a tree that should be bearing fruit? Do we resemble the tree where everything looks put together, but yet there is no heart transformation? There is no root connected to the vine. There is no root being fed and nourished and where there is no fruit. So I believe our response as we see the scriptures, as we reflect on this parable in light of, of, of the word of God through Paul in Philippians chapter three, I believe our response is a couple things. One is that we cry out to the Lord to expose our sin, right? Is there parts of our lives that, that ought just not to be? Where, where we ask the Lord to expose our sin, to render our hearts, to open our hearts and expose the sin. We ask God to remove ourself, that there needs to be a death, right? That, that we are out of the equation. We understand, like, like, like Samuel was saying, like we come as sinners, unrighteous, right? Romans 3 would say that there's none righteous, not one, none that seek after him. We're all unrighteous. And that our lives be poured out for the glory of God. As we reflect, how is our joy? One, have we counted the value of Christ? Have we counted the value of knowing Christ? Do we treasure him as something worth getting rid of all of our status, all of the flesh, anything that we can say we've earned these things? Is he worth it? Our bank accounts, right? Our, 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 anything that's been accredited to our account, our achievements, our, our rewards, awards. Have we counted Christ? And maybe we need to recount. Maybe we need to run back to Christ, 
run back to his word and count the value of knowing Christ. This life, the testimony that Paul shares is all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because, and it's all for Jesus Christ. He understood what, the, what it was to have it all. But he understood that when he had Jesus, that's all he needed. And we see his life poured out as a living sacrifice, bearing fruit for others to know Jesus Christ. Our hearts, when they are not aligned with Christ, right, they will mislead us. Our hearts are, are deceptive deceptive. They're wicked on their own. Our flesh, our desires of the flesh, this world, the corruption of the world, right, will lead us astray. If our hearts are not fixed on Christ, if Christ does not have the affections of our hearts, from our hearts, right, our hearts bring transformation. What our hearts are feel desirable what our hearts desire, it changes our thinking and it moves us to action for those things. And if our hearts are aligned with anything else but Christ, then we will be swayed and persuaded and moved away from the things of Christ to the things of this world. And so I don't know where you find yourself as you reflect on these words of Scripture, as you reflect on, on Paul's testimony and, and counting the, the, the immeasurable value of knowing Christ, of loving Christ, and living for Christ. I don't know where you find yourself, but I ask you to respond to Christ and Christ alone. I ask you to respond in him. And as the, as the worship team comes up, I just ask you to be obedient to, to God, obedient to to his word, obedient to the spirit and where God is asking you to move. Maybe there's things in your life that you have not surrendered to or things that ought not to be. But repent and turn to our amazing God and see how he is patient and loving. As we confess our sins, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you please stand? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day and for your word. As we go into this time of response, Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal to our hearts, Lord, things that ought not to be. Lord, that you would render our hearts. Lord, you expose the sin in our lives. Lord, and we lay them at your feet gladly, knowing the value of gaining Christ, knowing the value of proclaiming Christ in word and in deed. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.